My guest on this episode of Geek 4 is Julie S. Lalonde. Julie is an internationally recognized women's rights activist, feminist killjoy, and public educator. In fact, she's probably the best-known public educator in Canada. Her work on stalking, consent, bystander intervention have made her an in-demand speaker not only in Canada, but around the world. Her memoir, Resilience is Futile, The Life and Death and Life of Julies Lalonde, was published in spring 2020, unfortunately during the pandemic, so she didn't get to do a proper launch. And it's a harrowing, moving memoir about her own experience with a stalker. I've followed Julie on social media for years. I've actually done her bystander intervention, and I know how in demand she is. When I reached out, I wasn't sure if she'd be interested in coming on this podcast. I never think anyone is going to be interested in coming on my podcast. She gets lots of requests to speak, as well as a lot of death threats, as we talk about a little in the interview. She wrote back right away and said, are you free this Thursday? We agreed to talk about her love of Volkswagen cars, which, as a non-car guy, I was particularly interested. If you follow Julie on social media, her aesthetic is definitely femme. She's always really well put together, immaculately dressed in high heels, and she loves classic Volkswagen cars. She has two of them. She drives them around. She's very knowledgeable about them. They have names. And I wanted to get into that. And as somebody who thinks that cars are stereos with wheels, I was fascinated by her love of cars. This was a great conversation. Julie is just a firecracker and so much fun. I hope you enjoy. This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? Julie S. Lalonde, welcome to Geek 4. Thank you for doing this. Thanks so much for having me. I do find it comical that I'm talking to one of the prolific public educators in Canada, and we're not going to talk about your subject your, your subject expertise. We're going to talk about your love of Volkswagen cars. Yes. Yes. I love when I have an opportunity to flex a muscle that's not just <laughs> being the feminist killjoy in every space. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about my one true love, which is vintage Volkswagens. So I want to go back and I want to kind of like where does this come from? Where does young Julie become obsessed with cars? Uh, so an important context is I'm from rural Northern Ontario, which is very much car culture, not necessarily uh, a cool car or even a nice one, frankly, because the roads are notoriously terrible and, you know, um, we, everything is fro frozen and we have rough winters, but nobody, there's no real robust public transit um, because everything is so spread apart because it's rural. So um, so knowing that context, mm -hmm. um, when it was actually in the, like, I want to say that I was an OG fan and I was, but really it was that when the new, like, remember in the late 90s when they re-brought, they brought the Beetle back to yes. North America and this mm -hmm. new version kind of Volkswagen Beetle 2.0. Uh, and I just instantly was like, oh my gosh, I was very... I don't know why, but I grew up loving 60s and 70s culture. I loved fashion from the 60s and 70s. I loved music from then. Um, and so the fact that there was going to be an opportunity for me to like own a Beetle in my lifetime just seemed otherworldly. I still love that version. It's controversial. A lot of people didn't love it, but I loved the kind of late 90s version of the new Beetle. And so I just, I literally had a poster. Like, remember when you were a kid and you would go to like the Scholastic Book Fair and you could buy yes. posters? Yes. Yeah. So I had like a yellow beetle, the new version with like psychedelic 
um, tie dye in the background and I just loved it. And um, then I turned 17 and needed to drive to get to my part-time job. Um, you know, just had to live my life being in a rural space. And so um, I thought I had to save up to buy a car, but it turns out that uh, a family member of mine who actually lived in Ottawa found an old Beetle for sale, pretty cheap. Uh, my parents knew I loved them. And so they surprised me by buying me this car that I got for Christmas uh, in 2002. So I was 17 um, and I got my, I call her June. I was going to um, ask, I know she has a name, but what yeah, did you her name, name her? <laughs> her name is June because she's a little June bug. Um, and she's a 1974 Super Beetle. Um, okay. And I've had her ever since. So yeah, I've had her for uh, 21 years now. Okay. For the uninitiated, and that includes me, yeah. what is the difference between between a regular beetle and a super beetle? That's a great question. And don't feel sheepish because even other car people don't necessarily know. So it's funny in retrospect, but again, put yourself in 1974. Mm -hmm. um, it was considered the like racing beetle. So it has a more curved windshield. It has bigger tires and bigger um, rims, like um, wheel wells. So it's meant to be more of a sort of racing version. It's like the souped up version of a Beetle. So they really then... playing into the Herbie the Love Bug yes, stereotype. Yes, exactly. Um, they then became notorious for having this kind of circular problem where in lay person's terms, it's like something goes wrong with the wheel, which then goes wrong with the actual steering wheel, which then goes wrong with something else. So you end up in a cycle of having to fix these three things over and over again. So that's why they didn't make Super Beetles for very long, because they were kind of a little niche thing. Um, it means that not only did I get a rare car, but I got an even rarer car. <laughs> so there are parts that are even harder to find in some cases. Um, but yes, there is a difference that only the very, very um tuned in Volkswagen fan will see my car and be like is that a super beetle and every time I'm like I am super impressed <laughs> wow. so most people would be like oh it's a regular beetle from 1974 and it does it doesn't look much different except for those sort of small tweaks it it does lead to the very obvious question like the upkeep on a classic car like that and specifically a classic car that I mean you just said the circular problems this problem leads to this problem what is the maintenance? Like, how do you maintain this car? Because you still have it. I still do. Yeah. All those years later. So when I got her, it was in December in Northern Ontario. And it never even occurred to me that there would be cars that you couldn't drive in the winter. And so I drove my car for that first winter, which in retrospect is wacky because there's no real heat. There's no real defrost. Um, These are, you know, typically minus 40 days, massive snow banks. There's you know, they don't make winter tires for them anymore. Um, so Ooh. I literally would drive to school every day. My last year of high school, my last kind of six months of high school, um, I would drive to school wearing my school uniform. So I went to a very strict Catholic school and I would put ski pants over and a giant parka. And then we had this mitten and credit card um, method that I came up with where the passenger would scrape at the windshield with a credit card and then wipe with the mitten to try to defrost it. So you need yeah, a friend. 
you need a friend. But again, you're 17 years old. You have your own car. You're like, who cares if it's like a yeah. French Winstone situation where my foot goes through the floor. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I would drive my cousin to school every day. And we just thought we were like cool as hell. Of course you were. We were frosted. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was lucky that my dad's kind of a jack of all trades. So he helped me for that first kind of year and a bit that I was living at home in high school, kind of mm-hmm. helping me with a few things. Um, that I found out about some places where I could order things online. This was kind of the heyday of eBay, right? This is like early 2000s. So yeah. I would get some stuff on eBay. And then when I, the next year, moved to Ottawa to go to university, that opened up a whole new world of different places. So I've had the same mechanic now for probably 18, 19 years now. Um, and so thankfully I lucked out, but in that interim between my dad and finding my mechanic, there was a lot of scrambling to get parts, a lot of getting ripped off by people who claimed they knew what they were talking about, or maybe saw that I was a young woman and thought she doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, so it's actually not, um, you know, the parts themselves are not individually that expensive compared to a typical car. Um, Mm -hmm. They did keep making the model of my vehicle until the early 2000s in Mexico. So um, in North America, you can get parts not too, too terribly. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's oftentimes a long wait to get one silly little part because there's just one place we can get it from. So a simple fix that like, you know, you or anyone else with a regular kind of contemporary car could go to, you know, and within a day, get your car back at the dealership. Mine sometimes will take like weeks to get a part. Um, and then every once in a while, there'll be like one specific thing that is really hard to track down. So currently I'm trying to track down a new hood um, because mine has been patched so many times that it's almost like paper thin. Oh. Um, but because the 74 Beetle has a different hood shape, da, 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 da. So I'm on a mission to find a used um, hood. But otherwise, it's it it's more of an adventure, I think, than a stressor sometimes just thinking mm-hmm. about it. Um, especially because old cars are truly like it's true mechanics. There's no computer parts. Yeah. There's no sensors really. It's really, so it makes it fun because even I can sort of tweak on things, but it's oftentimes, um, a matter of like, it's a lot of trying to figure out what the source of the problem is. Right. Cause you don't have a sensor that says like, ping, this is the issue. It's yeah. really just. All right, process elimination. <laughs> Let's start. Well, wasn't this? It was this last time, so it can't be that this time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so my mechanic and I, now that we have this rapport, are like, okay, two years ago we fixed the inner control arm bushing, so I don't think it's that. So let's start a kind of trial and error. Yeah. So I can absolutely see the appeal of this. Like it, it, it plays on all of the kind of collecting instincts. Like you can search stuff down. Like like people hunt down music or movies or books or whatever. Um, it's just it it also gets you from point A to point B, which those other things don't. Um, and you look cool while doing it. So, you know, right? you sent me it's... the picture of you in the in the beetle with does it's it does not still have the Herbie the Love Bug paint job? No. So when okay. I bought her, uh oh, it sorry. Was... No, Mis- I misgendered her. I apologize. <laughs> I have to say, actually, um, I wrote a memoir about my life and my experiences, and I talk about my book, and my editor was a man. And I, what I, I refer to June with using female pronouns. And he said, I have to say, I'm very uncomfortable just glossing over this because my instinct is this is misogynist and that people, you know, because it's people's tendency to call their vehicles and their boats women. But mm. you, for the record, you said it. I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's not it's, sexist. It is. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really, I see a beetle on the street in the wild and it just, 
I, I smile. Like I just, they're just such happy looking vehicles. Mm -hmm. And then to be in the car, it's, you see people's reactions. Like people, you could be five years old. You could be 85 years old. People will punch the person closest to them. I was going <laughs> to ask about how much violence do you inflict on oh other my people God. by driving down the street? Every day I leave my house, people punch themselves um, and other people. And yeah, and especially when I first got her, she was all purple with these bright orange fenders and a number one on the door. And so people would just, like, it just brought people back. It's nostalgic for people. Um, you could see parents, like, explaining to their kid, like, that's not a regular car. Like, I'll be at the gas station and I'll hear them be like, huh. Um, you know, I have to pump the gas in the front of my vehicle because the gas tank is in the front and the engine is in the back. So people, kids will be like, what is this woman doing? And then they're, and then everybody has a story, you know, anyone like 50 plus will be like, oh my God, that's the first car I ever drove. Or mm -hmm. my parents used to stick all of me and my siblings in the back seat and we'd go for road trips. I so lost my virginity in the back of one of those. <laughs> yeah, Someone sure. once was like, I smoked my first joint in that car. <laughs> and then drove into a tree. <laughs> So it's just like, it brings me so much joy because yeah. it's just like, it's just a fun car to drive. And I have like a massively obnoxious sound system. So it's like the music is going. I actually cracked my back windshield at one point because my bass is so intense that it like. Do you live beneath me? No, sorry. <laughs> I am everyone's downstairs neighbor. And they're like, it's been you. Um. So yeah, it's just, it brings me so much joy and it's just, it brings other people so much joy. And so like, you can't be in a bad mood when like, if I'm at a red light in front of an elementary school, you'll just hear like a wave of like, tracks. like people are just going <laughs> ham. And then like, then I found out all of these really great, interesting facts. Like I didn't know that they were still made in Mexico until fairly recently. And so no. often Mexicans will say, oh my God, like that's the cab that I used to take back home or like, I guess there are several old beetles in Eritrea. So a lot of Eritrean people that I've met said, oh my gosh, it brings me back to my childhood. And so you get these like really lovely stories from people, whether it's nostalgia or like, oh my God, I haven't seen one of these in forever. Um, and yeah, and then people punch each other. I mean, it's like, it's so great. You get the best of both worlds. I get the best of both worlds. <laughs> Have you ever done the thing where there's a child looking at the car and you lift up the hood and you go, somebody stole my engine. Cause like <laughs> I would do that all the time. Oh my gosh. It is. It's always so, it's so funny when it like, I mean, it draws attention every single place that I go, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, but like, I'll be pumping gas and you can tell people are like, huh. Cause they'll see me go to the front of the car. And then if, yeah, if I do gro groceries is the big one, because one, it takes time to put your groceries in your car, but mm -hmm. the groceries go in the front of my car. And so people, <laughs> younger people, and I mean, younger now could be, you know, 30 and yeah. under are really like, huh? Like they're just very confused <laughs> as to what they're witnessing. And I'm like, I didn't modify my car. This is how they nope. were. That's how they were. And uh, and you're like the new Beatles. I haven't seen a new Beatle in a while. Like I'm, I'm assuming they've stopped making them. I am not a car guy. That we 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 exchange that information. This is the full <laughs> gender switch. I write about <laughs> melodrama movies, and cars are stereos with wheels. Um, <laughs> I I haven't seen a, a, a new Beatle in quite a while. Um, so people don't have that memory of of the the the, the trunk being uh where the engine is um yeah yeah i got my trunk that's the technical term i was looking for <laughs> i'm really i'm mechanically minded um 
Yeah, because there was the two kind of two point version in the late nineties, and yeah. you still you still see some of those around. And then um, in kind of the mid two thousands, they did bring back a new iteration um, okay. that I didn't like as much. Um, my ex and I actually used to own together. We had a twenty fifteen uh, newer edition Beetle, hmm. um, and I, I, the shape was a little bit. It was less bubbled shape, oh. if that to use the technical term. It was a little bit more sleek looking, and they actually thank you had for like, using the technical term with me. <laughs> and they had you could get like a dune buggy decal on the side, and like you know, it was kind of like a sportier version of it. Did it have um, a flower? It did not have the vase in the front, like the late two. 90s one so you're like already you're oh, moving away from the origin yeah. uh, but then they stopped making them and the rumor is uh Volkswagen has said that by 2025 all of their vehicles will be electric and so the rumor is that in 2025 Beetle a new version of the Beetle is going to come out and of the way of the van so oh, they'll, have, they'll bring uh, the van back they'll bring the van back in a lot of people smoked their first joints in those Many people were made in the back of one of those vehicles um, and they are very fun and they have a huge, I mean, Beatles have a cult following, but the vans have a huge cult following as well. And, mm -hmm. and so they seem so much yeah. more rare. They like are they much do, more rare. Yeah. I don't see those around. The maintenance on those is pretty intense, especially if you got a camper one because they are prone to leaks because of the different elements of the vehicle. So they are harder to get. Whereas Beatles, like Beatles, there was a time when they were basically like the Honda Civic that we see today. Like everybody had one. They were like a starter car that you would get. Um, when I was in high school, it was like everyone had a Pontiac Sunfire <laughs> or like that was kind of the car that was yeah. like a cheap starter car. That was Chevette. the that was uh, That was my generation was the Chevette. The Chevette, yeah. yeah. And so that was a Beetle. So it's kind of been interesting to see it yeah. become like a cult following yeah. um but it is and it's a community of people um and that's what i really love about it is that there's a lot of downsides to owning an own car there's a lot of downsides to owning a car period uh there's a lot of major downsides to being a woman who's interested <laughs> in cars but oh it is nice to um i think especially frankly because of the work i do i do feminist advocacy and violence mm -hmm. prevention work where all day every day is just an onslaught of hate <laughs> And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I get death threats. I can't speak in public without a police protocol. Like I experience so much negativity in my work that it's just so refreshing to be like, I'm going to go do groceries and like 10 people are going to smile at me and give and me then, a thumbs up. And you're and like, then punch each other <laughs> and then punch each other instead of me, you know, like it's like a nice, um, cause yeah, for I the like record, that. if you know someone who owns a beetle, you cannot punch us. We are exempt from yeah. the punch buggy. Yeah. We are forever. No punchbacks. Yeah. So. No punchback. That's that's it's in the beetle <laughs> manual i think it is absolutely i have an original manual and so i can tell you it's in there <laughs> if i hold the keys you can't punch me <laughs> now correct me if i'm wrong because the engine is in the back part of the reason that it was so cold is that the heating comes from the the yes. the trunk okay so I, I, this story may be apocryphal. I don't know. So the former head of the English department at the university of Manitoba, where I did my PhD had a, a Volkswagen beetle and he had rigged up this, um, old vacuum cleaner tube mm -hmm. to bring the heat up. And mm -hmm. his son used to, um, when he was very little, um, relieve himself in the, oh. <laughs> and 
poor David Arneson could never figure out why it smelled so bad in the car. I was like, oh. that would explain it. I had a, I had a gas unknowingly had a split in one of my gas hoses, and so for quite some time, especially when I was in high school and really didn't know as much about cars and was just excited to have one. Uh, if you took a sharp corner, whoo, it was like taking a huff of gas. And I would always just be like, it's fine when you're on the straightaway. It's fine. It's just when you turn a corner. And then finally, my dad was like, you come home. Like, I remember. Julie, that's not right. <laughs> it's not good. And he would just be like, girl, you stink. And I remember one time at my lockers in high school, someone was like, it smells like gas. Why does it smell like gas? Did someone come here in a skidoo or something? And I was like, yeah, what a weirdo. And then I came home and I was like, dad, we we got to figure this out. We have to fix the car. smell like a grease monkey. And I'm like, yeah. So then I learned it's also very unhealthy to be sucking in those fumes. But yes. uh, But yes, Volkswagen, the OG ones Mm -hmm. are what's called air cooled. So there's no coolant anywhere in the car. And it just has... Uh, it takes the heat off the engine and then sends it into the car as your heat. But you can imagine if it's minus 40, it never gets warm enough to actually get any heat off that engine block. No, no. that might so work in Germany. <laughs> yeah. But even not then, work. it yeah. would be a bit, um, but yeah, it's a bit frosty. So there are downsides, not just huffing in gas, but. I'm I'm curious, you've, you've mentioned it already, but um, as a woman, who, I mean, even not doing the type of work you do, you have this classic car. What kinds of attitudes do people give you about being into cars? Um, Sometimes on a good day, like it'll be people who are just like, huh, that's not what I expected. And like, mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, A lot of women, older women get so, I've had older women like tear up. Oh. Um, because they just think it's so great that I'm doing this and they're like get it girl you know like it's quite nice but I mean all of the cliches have happened to me around um being a woman who actually knows I don't know a lot about cars period and I will say I know a lot about vintage Volkswagens and Beetles in particular um but the assumptions of like I, all the time I still get it I mean, as I've gotten older, it's gotten not so bad, but I just got a lot of like, oh, is that daddy's car? Are you taking your dad's out, your dad's car out? Or are you borrowing this car from your boyfriend? I mean, cannot even tell you the amount of times that I would be driving and I would have a, you know, a boyfriend beside me who's clearly in the passenger seat. We get out somewhere, grocery store, Canadian Tire, doesn't matter, pull in, people go to him. Oh, what year is that? Oh, what year is that? How long oh. you had it? And you'd have to be like, uh, not mine, hers. I'm not just letting her drive my car. Yeah, like it's like, who do you think got out of the driver's seat? Did like just so like those kind of microaggressions. But then I've had a you know a few dicey situations at mechanics where I honestly just didn't feel safe being there alone. Mm. Um, I've had people try to rip me off very blatantly because they thought. She doesn't know what she's, she's talking, what about. You're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So trying to sell me parts that my car doesn't even have, um, overcharging me for things, uh, trying to get me to fix things that really didn't need to be fixed, or alternatively breaking parts of my car. Um, and then I, I think the assumption was just like this car's so old, what's one more thing? But then and she'll never know. Yeah, and when I would challenge it, they would just be like, "Oh, it was like that," or "I don't think you know what you're talking about." Um, and just really sort of dismissive. So it's why I never really, like, I only went to one or two car shows and then I stopped going because, um, the assumption was that I was like a booth babe who was just standing beside someone else's car when in fact 
it was my car. It was your car. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's been some like bummer situations, but it's why I'm so grateful to have found an incredible mechanic. And he, to me is such, um, just like, it gives me hope because Mm -hmm. he is a very, like he has been a mechanic his whole life. Mm -hmm. He is a very, you know, stereotypical working class mechanic works and has his own garage not once has been even remotely condescending towards me he always explains the works that he's doing he tries to you know offers to teach me things that that's helpful um and so i've never felt anything but respected in going there and so i think frankly that's probably why i still have the car because i know that there's someone i can trust who can give me an honest opinion um and so that's great but like that's rare and if i moved away from ottawa i honestly don't know what i would do um but yeah the guy you know i store my car in the winter now because i'm smart enough to know that it shouldn't be driven and the Ottawa salt, winters are pretty crappy so bad but <laughs> also the salt on the roads in ontario yeah. just chewed through the body of my car that first year like i had to do thousands of dollars of body work mm. all because of the salt um so the guy that i store my car with over the winter he's an older guy again should be you know all of the stereotypes but he's extremely kind and very respectful um, and so I have a good little community that allows me to kind of just kind of roll my eyes at the microaggressions, but yeah. it is wild to me, the level, like that it's 2023 and, you know, my car comes out in a few weeks and I'm going to be at a gas station and someone's going to make some ridiculous comment. And it's just, and if yeah. you know anything about car culture, it's particularly interesting because beetles are considered kind of a feminine vehicle like they're not considered a masculine car it's not a hot rod it's not a vintage porsche so it's not even it it already seems somewhat feminine and it was purple and orange and people (laughs) still ask the obvious straight dude sitting beside me well nice part like yes it is mine i (laughs) wild i mean i've had people knock on my door and offer to buy my car and their starting point is like hey i'm looking to talk to the guy or like hey is your husband here or hey is your dad here and it's like it like it's just it's so you know what i mean it's just so telling about how gendered yeah is so skewed because it's like it's a quote-unquote girly car in a very girly color i have bright pink fuzzy uh seat covers like I had like little fuzzy dice and a little lipstick hanging from the, and still, still people were uh, like, no, no guy drives that. <laughs> like, no, no, I want to talk to the dude who owns the car. Come on. I'm like, I would love it to have a dude drive a car like that. Like it would be amazing if it's, I would be totally fine. I would yeah. be totally fine driving a car like that. Like quite it'd, honestly. Be, it'd be great. But it's like, if you, if you commit to the bit of gendered stereotypes, then commit to the bit. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so it's um it's been an adventure. You have another car. I do. A 69 Carmen Ghia, which I had never heard of, but I was watching some videos and research because I do my research. <laughs> it's that's a beautiful car. And Thank I you. like if you look at it, you like there's nothing about it that says Volkswagen. Like it yeah. looks completely different than all the Volkswagen cars I've ever seen before. That's a stunning car. Thank you. Thank you. So for people who don't know, the the reference that I usually make, mine is not a convertible, but the reference I usually make to people is Kill Bill. Mm -hmm. So when she's driving that yellow car at the end or whatever those scenes are in Kill Bill, that's a Carmen Ghia. Mm -hmm. So um, they look kind of like a James Bond car. Like they look like an Aston Martin. Yeah. 
They're very cool little two-seater cars. Again, engines in the back. Um, so mine is currently being repaired. I've never actually been able to drive mine yet because it's been in the shop for so long, but I inherited mm. it um, from my uncle, who's the, a huge Volkswagen fan. He's German and he's the one who found June. Um, and so he had been tinkering on this Gia for years and mm. then was like, you know what? Like, it's just taking up space in my garage. I know somebody who loves a vintage Volkswagen. So um, I got it from him and yeah, it's a beaut of a car and I can't wait to get it on the road because I think it'll be interesting to gauge whether or not people's reactions will be different because it's considered um, not, it's not, it's not, a, it's not considered like a fun car. It's considered like a very sexy, cool car. Um, so I do wonder. Yes. I can't imagine that the reactions you're going to get, like, I think it's, you know, you're, it's going to be very interesting. I will love to see your social media when, <laughs> when you, when you finally get to drive that car. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like James Bond car was immediately what I saw. And like the sixties James Bond films are my jam. Yeah. It's, it, it has a different, I mean, if people punch each other, when I drive by, it will not be related. Um, <laughs> children probably won't have the same reaction. Right. Cause it, no. it, I mean, it's a cool looking car, but you know, if you don't know a lot about cars, it might just look like a Miata or like, just like a typical uh, small car, but they're very, very cool. And they're very similar um, to Volkswagen, to Volkswagen Beetles in terms of the insides. So like I said, the engine's at the back. It's a two-seater, which um, is pretty cool. So I'm excited for that, if nothing else, because I don't have to drive everyone around all the time. <laughs> Just one person to take a credit card and, and do the window. <laughs> exactly. And then we're good to go. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very impractical that I am a woman in my 30s in the global north with two vehicles you can only drive in the summer is it smart no is it practical no is it financially sound no so but is rest... life too short yes yes hey <laughs> this whole year for me is like you know starting over my life so do it yeah it's do i'm it. all about yolo and i think yeah i think the pandemic you know obviously my cars predate the pandemic but there definitely were some points, you know, 2020, I lost 90% of my income the day the pandemic was declared. I had a very, you know, I spend my time speaking in person at conferences and in schools. And mm -hmm. I felt real, it was a very bleak time for me. My book came out the day the pandemic was declared. I know. My book tour was canceled. Like I, my, I saw my whole world crumble. And financially, I was like, oh man, I got to make some different decisions here because I don't know where my money is coming from. So I definitely had a moment of like, ooh, can I really afford to take June out of storage and put her on the road? And and instead, I'm glad I didn't sell her. Um, but it was this realization of like, yeah, life is life is too short. Yeah. Um, and you know, even from a environmental standpoint, yeah, I own two cars, not a great carbon footprint in many sense, but keeping the same car on the road since 1969 and 1974 will always be better for the environment than getting a hybrid tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, I only drive during the summer, so it, you know I'm not doing all the time, but um, but I am. I use my car, and that sounds silly, but you know a lot of people who own vintage cars are what are called Sunday drivers. And in fact, you, it's very difficult to get car insurance for vintage cars in Canada, and most of them will only insure you on the weekends mm. um, because the assumption is you just take your car to car shows and it's a, it's a car. Sh you don't show it off. Yeah. Okay. So I just moved back to Toronto from having lived in Winnipeg for 20 years. Winnipeg has this weird ass thing 
in the three months of the year that are not snowy um, on Sundays are cruise nights and they just break down Portage Avenue and people slowly drive down Portage Avenue in all kinds of cars, vintage cars, uh, souped up racer cars, fast and furious types of things. And it's always on a Sunday that totally makes sense. They can only get insurance. Okay. Exactly. Ah, I learned something. (laughs) And it's people, you know, some will be cruise nights on like here in Ottawa. It's often like Thursday night in like a Canadian tire parking lot and people just bring their cars. And yeah, um, let's go to the pony corral and (laughs) get some puts in and watch some cars. Um, (laughs) But I mean, I've seen some people like they won't take their car out. If it's raining, they always have um, a dry rag with them. You go to see their car, but you can't touch it. Um, and that's fine. And I don't, you know, I don't harsh on other people's vibes, but, um, for me, driving my car is the joy that I get out of it. And I'm so grateful that my mechanic has the same vibe. And for Mm -hmm. him, he's like, he could, he's like, I could spend the money and give you a show car. He's made cars that have won awards, but he like, doesn't even want me to fix up some of the paint problems. He's like, the pati- it gives a character. Like, he's like, June has character. <laughs> she has and, character. And to me, the joy is in using the thing. It's like, I say to people, you know, if you're a girl, you oftentimes will get candles as a gift. And they expect, and I'm always like, I'm going to burn this candle. Like, just so you know, mm-hmm. I use the things that I have. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the joy that I get from it. And so, yeah, people are like, that's your everyday car? And I'm like, yeah, from like, Easter to November, if you see me at the grocery store. Since I was 17 years old. old. Yeah. (laughs) If you see me, I'm I'm running errands. Like I'm I'm not trying to show off. I'm just living my life. And it's just, um, yeah, I think the pandemic has forced people to really think about what is important for them in life. And I think joy is something that we can take. We can take it wherever you can get it, you know, and it's not hurting anybody. It gets me from point A to point B. I've had some hilarious stories of like I break down I gotta make friends with people I called CAA three times in a month last summer I just became friends with the tow truck drivers I was like hey I have gold status with CAA so it's like (laughs) the only platinum card I'll ever own in my wallet (laughs) and you're just like forced to make like the amount of time I mean the stories I could tell you of like Men dressed in three-piece suits, just coming off of Parliament, clearly had some fancy meetings, helping me push my car up the hill. And I'm like, thanks, buddy. That's like, beautiful. You just make friends with people, and it's and it's joyful. Ottawa's very myself. friendly. Yeah. yeah, honestly, it is. People say oh, yeah. that, but I oh. mean, we're definitely the city that fun forgot. But um, I think it's, yeah, you just make friends with people. And because it is such a small car, and I'm, you know, I'm 5'10", um, and I can sit and open the, the passenger door without even reaching over. It's a tiny car that I have pushed uphill. And then by the time I get to the top of the hill, I look back and there's 10 people who have helped me. Um, I've had to push my car in high heels, out of traffic, in the middle of a snowstorm, out of a snowbank. Like, and then people are just like, can I help? And you're like, yeah, you know, like, it's just, just please. it just makes people happy. And I think we need more of that in the world. Oh, we 100% need more of that. I love, I love I love that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thanks. It's community, right? And I think, and even like, you know, your whole podcast, right? Is like, we can geek out as things as individuals, but oftentimes the joy is in the community of other people geeking out about that thing. I am so fascinated by the stories of how people got into things. It's almost always like an older relative or friend introduced them to something. They've met people through the things that they love, whatever they are. It doesn't matter what people like. 
Now, this was the, the whole idea behind this podcast was like the way I learned to cope at parties as an introvert. You can talk to something about to someone about anything for half an hour. It doesn't matter what it is. If they're interested in it, it's interesting for about half an hour. And <laughs> beyond that, who knows? But, you know, it's it's great. And people connect with each other. It's it's beautiful. So thank you for that. Yeah, Are you up for, for some fast four? Oh, my God. 100 percent. Also okay. because it, it sounds like the title of a Fast and the Furious movie. So yes. I'm here for it. I did that on purpose for you. Perfect. Perfect. Two years Thank ago you. when I started this podcast, I was like, one day, <laughs> Julie will be on my podcast talking about Volkswagens. <laughs> I'll drop in the, the awesome audio in, uh, later. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're like, special guest. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Julie, if you had an unlimited budget, what dream car would you buy and what would you name it? Her. What would you name her? Ooh, I would get um, a Porsche 911, the beautiful Canary Yellow Porsche 911. Um, and her name would be Charlotte. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or Charlotte, yes. depending on Charlotte. how she's oh, feeling. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh, <laughs> she's saucy. Um, is it more fun to swear in French or English? Ooh, French. Always French. I need to French, French Canadian swears in particular are delicious because they're all about religion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every French Canadian swear is about telling off the church, and I will take any opportunity to do that as I've, a lapsed Catholic. As a lapsed Catholic. I've always been fascinated in, in low German. The swear like the swears are like... 57, like the number 57 for some reason. And I've never, I didn't, I wasn't involved enough in the culture to get, to get that out, but uh, whatever. That's an amazing fact. What is something new you find yourself getting into? Ooh, great question. Yeah. Throughout the pandemic, my best friend and I started a podcast where we read romance, um, ideally niche, very terrible, um, very wacky romance um and initially it was just we found an old woman's entire harlequin romance collection at a value village and we were like this is incredible um but it sort of evolved into really appreciating the good romance um there's some really amazing subversive feminist um romance being written by queer people and people of color that's really quite good that kind of that I thought there's no way you can make this stuff feminist. It's inherently awful and oppressive. And now that I'm digging into it, I'm like, oh. And now that the world of self-publishing is is it like, oh, <laughs> ooh, people are writing all kinds of spicy things about dragons. And like, I found out there's an entire subgenre of like uh, shifters, which are people who shift into animals. People are into shifters. Mm. There's a whole subsection of Harlequin dedicated to NASCAR romance. Like it is, it is a wild smell the gas fumes. <laughs> like that two-stroke engine smell got me feeling some kind of way. Um, yeah, so it if, is. If there's I ever another it. pandemic and your income is cut by 90%, I see a very obvious oh, the potential career for you. Yeah, I'm writing vintage Volkswagen smut for yes. Harlequin. Look for it coming in 2025. Yes. No, yeah. I'm- <laughs> It's it's been it'll be the best follow up to a book ever. <laughs> Resilience is futile part two. Doot, doot. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> yes. 
what is the geekiest thing you own and you can define geeky however you want Ooh, i do have um i have a lot of wonder woman cosplay costumes um so as part of my anti-harassment work um i was invited to start to go to the ottawa comic cons and be Mm -hmm. kind of a mobile anti-harassment person so uh, and i thought okay i gotta fit in with the crowd so how am i gonna do this and my mother was a wonder woman um basically impersonator at one point my mother looks exactly like linda carter um and so i grew up in a house that loved uh wonder woman Mm -hmm. my dad's a huge star trek fan so like any kind of like strong female characters and stuff my family was all about uh, and so my mom was like, just do Wonder Woman. And so then I just kept accumulating all of this Wonder Woman cosplay. Um, so that's probably the geekiest thing in my. That collection. is awesome. That is so <laughs> awesome. Fan. I mean, it's very obvious as like the the feminist lady, but yeah. um, but I, it's also like it has a special place in my heart because it always I'm like, she's like, oh, no, it's my mom. My mom's the Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's an homage to your mother. It is. And it looks awesome. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful. What what sorts of things do you have coming up? Um, Any seminars or things people can can check out? Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you want to learn bystander intervention, then following me um, on social media, um, you'll I offer a lot of free webinars so you can be at home in your gym jams. You're muted the whole time. So you can just sort of be yourself and participate. You're never on the spot. So it's ideal for introverts and multitaskers. Um, and it's an hour. So I have a few of those coming up stuff around International Women's Day, but mm-hmm. trying to offer a few a month um, until the end of the year. And then uh, I'm launching a really big, exciting project in the spring around stocking. Um and it's a big task, but it's probably the biggest project I've ever undertaken. So I'm really excited for that. So if you are interested in learning more, then again, following me on social media is probably the best way if you want to help out, if you have personal experience, if you just want to be an ally. Mm-hmm. Um, and slowly but surely, I am working on um, another book as a different topic, but looking at class in Canada. Not ra- um, not NASCAR romance. No, no. But, but. You never know. You never know. <laughs> I could have three. a little side hustle. Tr- trilogy. <laughs> yeah, so keeping busy, doing what Luke. I can to keep busy. But yeah, if people want to learn how to intervene, I'm basically your gal. Um, and 90% of that work I do is free and open to the public. So um, get in touch and I will put you in touch. I have taken the bystander intervention course with you, class with you, and it was amazing. And since moving back to Toronto and taking transit all the time, I've used some of the things that I learned in your course. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thanks and, again for having me. Oh, and the book Resistance is Futile, The Life and Death and Life of Julie S. Lalonde. Yes, it is Resilience. It's resilience. Futile. Sorry. I'll That's correct, okay. I'll correct it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It happens. Yeah. Um, Resilience is Futile, The Life and Death and Life of Julie S. Lalonde. It's a beautiful book. Um, Just absolutely stunning. Um, Thank you. So I look forward to what you do next. And I'll link to um, your social media in the the show notes so people can find you there. Instagram and Twitter. Are you on anything else? Yeah. Nope. That's me for now. I tried to do the Mastodon post thing. And I am just not techie enough. And also, 
if anything buffers remotely, I'm just like, and I'm flipping a table. Um, and Mastodon just kept buffering. And I was like, what is this, the 90s? No, I have high speed internet. Let's go. <laughs> Dial up sounds exactly. like, oh, and, yeah, and I, I've said this to someone else. Like, I am very uncomfortable with Twitter at the moment hard same. for all of the reasons. And I have spent 10 years building a community of people. I do not want to start over. Absolutely. YOLO all uh, YOLO absolutely. I do not want to start that over. Like just yeah. No, so okay. I'm I'm there until the wheels fall off that thing. Um, <laughs> any day now. Any day, honestly. I mean, by the time this airs, it yeah. might be done. We'll be done, but fine. I'll <laughs> but be yes, there at the but end. If you if you believe in fashion and books and, and other frivolous things on top of feminism, then yeah, I'm Instagram is also where I post about all of the upcoming webinars and stuff. So. All right, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.